On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That, uh, we sing so many songs that are just sounds and just tunes with syllables thrown in here and there, uh, and not really uh, considering what we're singing, what, what, what we say. This song is powerful. And uh, in light of what Paul is saying to us today, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends, uh, I thought it would be okay to spend the first half of this sermon preaching on this song, <laughs> uh, or at least preaching on that part. All other ground is sinking sand. So what is this other ground that we have a tendency to plant our feet on and plant our lives on and go, this is, this is where I'm going to stand. This is where, this is where I'm going to put my trust. Well, there are four things that, uh, that I've come up with. There may be more, but I think these are the big four. Psalm chapter 20, verses 7 and 8 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Uh, the first one of these four is might. We have a tendency to trust in, in might. I, I am, I'm thankful for those in our military. I, I, I really am. And, and I'm also thankful that I, that I happen to live in a country that uh, has the strongest fighting force ever seen on the face of the earth. But that will not always be the case. Uh, not because I'm planning on moving, <laughs> but it will not always be the case because it's never been the case before. Every, every greatest fighting force on the face of the earth has had to give way to another great fighting force. And why should we think we'll be any different? But I am very thankful for these things. I'm also thankful that my trust is not in chariots and horses. My trust isn't in missiles and tanks. My trust is not in carnal weapons of any kind. That, that's not where I put my hope or my trust because those who do, according to the word of the Lord, will be brought to their knees and fall. But those who put their trust in the Lord, those who put their hope in the Lord, are risen and stand upright. We have, we have a tendency to, uh, to put our trust in might. Wherever it's found, it might not just be military, but we, we think that might somehow or another is going to deliver us or do something for us or solve our problems. Well, it can, but only the strong right arm of the Lord can do that. So it's really the Lord. So that, that's the first, that's the first thing that we have a tendency to put our trust in. Uh, secondly, Jesus said over in Matthew, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, I started to not even put this up. I started to go uh, not even mention money as something that we trust in because it's so obvious. But I have learned over, over the years that nothing is obvious. Nothing is obvious. When you get right down to it, there... That's first time. That's the only time I'm going to say that today when you get right down to it. But uh, I just said it twice. Um, but not, nothing is obvious. And even the fact that, that money it can't solve your problems, as Brad was saying. Um, well, we got in God, we trust on our money. How ironic is that? <laughs> that we actually... Put in God we trust on the thing that we actually trust in. 
Yeah, think about that. What did you learn in church today? Money, money is a story that we believe. I was listening to an interview this last week with a guy who'd written a book. It sounded fascinating. He was saying that the, the strength of civilization, the strength of, of, uh, of humankind, homo sapiens, as he was referring to us, uh, came from the, our stories and the fact that we have these stories that we all believe in. Uh, and the guy said, well, what, you know, give me an example. He said, well, money, you know, m- money is a story that we all believe in. Uh, we believe that a piece of paper, and I, I actually, I actually have one of it. We believe that this piece of paper is worth something. And in fact, that this piece of paper is worth more than this piece of paper because we've been told that it is and we, and we, we believe it. He said a chimpanzee, if you, uh, if one chimpanzee offered another chimpanzee a piece of paper for three luscious bananas, I don't know if chimpanzees laugh, but that would be an occasion to laugh. You eat your piece of paper, I'll eat my bananas. Get right down to it. I just said it three times. Okay, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just, I'm just not even going to think about it anymore. <laughs> uh, and that's, that, that's what it is. It's, uh, I, I was talking with a guy a, a few months ago, and he was saying, he was worried about the economy. He was going, well, we just need to be back on the gold standard. And I go, well, gold's not worth anything either. You can't eat it. I mean, if you're, the only reason gold is worth something is because we've got enough to eat, clothes to wear, and a place to live. That's the only reason that a piece of metal now becomes valuable. If you don't have enough to eat, clothes to wear, or a place to live, you'll take those things over the metal. And you'll certainly take them over the piece of paper. It's just, it's just a, back in uh, 1929, October 28th and 29th, um, the Dow crashed. And if you had your money invested in that, then in less than 48 hours, you lost, oh, you lost 25% of everything that you thought you had. When uh, the, the crash, the, the smaller crash occurred back in the 80s, uh, Sam Walton, uh, I love the quote that he said because apparently he had just millions and millions of dollars wiped out in one day. And his quote was, it's just paper. It's just paper. Still had his stores. They still had food in them and clothes. He still had a place to stay. The major underlying cause of the crash of 1929 you want to know what it was? Major underlying clause, cause, clause, yeah. <laughs> Included large consumer debt due to easy credit from underregulated financial sector and outright fraud from the same sector. When will we ever learn? Yeah. My hope is not in money. The basis of my retirement is based on a lifetime of tithing. And my parents taught me this. I mean, my, if you've been here for a number of years, you may have heard this before. You'd had to have been here quite a few. My dad, my dad went through the eighth grade. That was as far as he got. My mom went farther, but let's just say she got married when she was 16. So she didn't exactly have a college degree at that point in time. Uh, my dad spent his entire life as a bivocational pastor, which means he spent it pastoring churches that couldn't afford a pastor and worked so that he could provide a pastor for those churches. My mom um, 
went, went to work full-time when I was six years old in 1956 as a school teacher in, Ruther- in Sumner County. And uh, she, was, she was hauling in 150 a month before taxes. Um, the next five years, she went to school during the summer so that she actually could get a college degree, which, which she finally got. So this was the extent, and neither one of them inherited a penny from their parents because their parents didn't have any money for, or anything for them to inherit. So this was, this is, this is the setup for my parents, right? Man, how are they going to make it? You know, my dad, my, my mom lived to be 84. My dad lived to be 92. Um, after my dad was 72, neither one of them worked. They, they, they simply retired. They, they owned their own home from the early, the late fifties on. They always drove a nice car. Uh, never missed any meals. You could basically have whatever you wanted to eat. You could go to Shoney's even on Sunday if you wanted to. Uh, you know, they traveled around the world. Uh, you know, they've been to Hawaii. They've been to Africa. They've, they've been to Europe. They've been a bunch of those places. How? Why? What? They tithe their entire life. They put their trust in the Lord. They put Him first with their finances. And their whole philosophy was, we put him first, he'll take care of us. And he did. And I am so blessed, just blessed, to have been brought up with that example. To have been brought up with that environment in my life. So anyway, might, money. Third thing, Prophet Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Might, money, man. Or woman. We have an election coming up this year. And uh, it's going to be my 12th election in which uh, I have had the privilege, presidential election in which I've had the privilege of voting. Um, and the only reason it's not my 13th is when I was 18, 18-year-olds couldn't vote. Uh, but it'll, it'll be my 12th. And I have clear memories of every president back to uh, Dwight David Eisenhower. Uh, you know, I mean, I was only uh, 11 when I left office, but I was paying attention. So, you know, I have clear memories of, uh, of all, these, all these guys, all these fellers, uh, different opinions of several of them. But I want to tell you what I've learned uh, over over this length of time. I got, I got five things that I would like to tell you. And the reason why I'm doing this, you know, I don't normally tread into these waters, but you know, this is such an interesting year and it's such a confusing year for so many people. Um, that I plan to say this and then, and then say no more, but we'll just see. That's what, that's my hope. Here are five things I've learned. One, Every presidential election is not the most important in the history of the nation. And every one of these races, I heard that phrase, and in some of them I heard it a lot. Uh, in fact, I don't think any of them could even contend strongly for second place. You know, first place, I think unquestionably, took place in 1860 uh, with Abraham Lincoln being elected. How many of you remember that? Ray, yeah, I just wanted to, <laughs> just want to see, I see that hand, uh, yeah, 
Probably the second uh, one was in 1940, uh, the big change that came over with FDR. I, you know, I don't know. But every, every time it's, this is the most important thing that's ever happened. And, and you, it's not. It's not. You need to understand that. Secondly, all administrations, or at least all of the ones that I'm familiar with, all administrations have made mistakes. Every one of them. And some of them have even, well, in fact, I would have to say that really all of them have actually even stumbled into doing something right occasionally. Thirdly, we have survived the administration of presidents who were not smart. We have survived the administration of presidents who were downright criminal. And we have had some hard times under some very intelligent and even godly presidents. Fourth, labels are meaningless. Labels mean nothing. They really don't. I was reading, uh, I read a, a quote this last week, and I don't remember who said it. And, and they weren't talking about this particularly, but it, I think it applies. I said, they muddied the waters to make it appear deep. And that's what labels do. They muddy the waters. You would think, um, I mean, the, the, the term conservative and liberal, I mean, we, we clatch onto those terms. You, you would actually think they were two different things. You would actually think that one of them doesn't spend money and the other one does. I got news for you. They all spend money. They all spend a lot of money. It's just a matter of what they spend money on. You know, labels are not to be trusted. You get right down to it. <laughs> a dove might go to war when a hawk wouldn't because a dove feels like they got something to prove. But a hawk doesn't feel like they have. So you don't, you know. And then fifthly, you never know. You just never know what, what, what the end result's going to be. Richard Nixon, for crying out loud. Those of you who remember him know that he, he made his entire career being the, 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 the anti-communist, you know, Richard Milhouse Nixon, going to put them communists down. He's the one who opened up normalization of relations with red China. Nobody saw that coming. When Bill Clinton got elected, where is he? There he is. When Bill Clinton got elected, before he could take office, I went out and refinanced our house because I just knew the whole economy was going to come unglued. And I need to nail this thing in before, before it all got messed up. You know, and then we had eight years of the best economy of my lifetime. I mean, you, you never know. You don't know. So here's my advice. Be an independent. Be an independent. When I was, uh, I mean, in those, uh, those uh, uh, what, 11 elections, I voted for one party seven times and the other one four times. See, once you become brand identified, once, once you know, I'm a Chevy man, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Ram truck guy. I'm a Dapper Dan man. You know, once, you, once you become brand identified, you don't have to think anymore. And you sure don't have to pray. You sure don't have to go, 
Holy Spirit, guide me. Lord, teach me, show me what to do here. And that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. That's where the peace is. You're supposed to be praying and to ask God what, what he wants you to do. And then whoever gets elected, you're supposed to pray for them. And you're not supposed to be praying, may they die and another one take their place. <laughs> That's not funny. I mean, it really isn't. I have seen Christians put that down and it breaks my heart. Are, are you using the Bible to make a joke or something? We're supposed to pray for their wisdom. We're supposed to pray for them to have grace so that we might have peace and prosper. So that's, that's what I've got to say about this. Being independent. If you feel like only your candidate can save us, then according to the word of the Lord coming through the prophet Jeremiah, you're cursed. Because you've put your trust in man or in woman. This is the case maybe in this particular election. And yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go one other step here and then we'll see who comes back next week. Uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're driving from um, Murfreesboro to Franklin on 96, uh, just as you go past uh, in the post office in Arrington, there's a big sign on a piece of property there, and, and it, it, it doesn't, it, the name is irrelevant. It's, it's a Trump sign, but the name is irrelevant. Because it can be, it, it can say Trump, it can say Clinton, Sanders, it can say Meek. But what the sign says is, Trump, America's only hope. And it just breaks my heart every time I see it. Because there is a name that belongs on that sign. You won't find it on your ballot, but you can find it on the ballot in here if you put him there. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All this other stuff, sinking sand. So, might, money, man, one more. Me, myself. Psalm 49. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve of their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. We are raised to believe in self-reliance to, to the point that we tend to give lip service to relying on the Lord. But deep down inside, deep, deep down inside, it's really hard for us to shake the notion that it really depends on me. It really depends on me. Uh, it's ingrained in us. But look at the Bible. I mean, look at the examples. Jacob. Jacob was that kind of guy. I mean, he, he, it really depended on Jacob. And, and by depending on Jacob, yeah, he, he got his brother's birthright. He, he stole his blessing. He ended up with four wives and a bunch of kids and a lot of sheep and cattle and stuff. But it, he did not become a righteous, godly man until he had to learn how to walk with a limp. Moses. Moses was a fugitive from justice who couldn't, who, 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 who couldn't talk well. Back when we, uh, back when we were in the sanctuary over there, uh, I don't know how long ago this was, long, long time ago. I, uh, I did a, a, a series, I don't know if it's four weeks, six weeks or something, where I, 
I, I dressed up as a character uh, every Sunday morning and, and did a Bible character. And the reason why I'm saying I'm laughing is I say I dressed up as a character. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's not like Moses and Jacob dressed a whole lot differently. You know, they, they dress differently from us, but you know, they, but, uh, but you know, you'd know who, what character it was because I would tell you. And, uh, and, and the Sunday morning when I did Moses, it was just, it was so cool. I woke up that morning and half of my tongue was swollen and I had to do Moses like this. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> this is great. This, yeah. I mean, it was, but that's what he was. The one that God used. David was the, the overlooked younger brother. Isaiah, the great prophet, when he came into the presence of the Lord, said, Woe is me. I am, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord, the King Almighty. Jesus. He, he, Jesus. Jesus said, the Son can do nothing by himself. He, he can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And so he knew of whence he spoke when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we tend to establish our stance on might, money, man, myself. All of those are sinking sand. All of those are sinking sand. Well, how, how do you stand firm in the Lord then? Uh, Paul uses a, an interesting little phrase in this. Uh, he says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. And so if he's putting that there, there he must be explaining the way somewhere around there. And, and I think he kind of explains it a little bit right after, and he explains it a little bit right before. Let's go to the right after. First of all, right after he explains something you don't do if you want to stand firm in the Lord. I plead with you, Rhodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. One thing you don't do is fight with your brothers and sisters. There are times, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm certainly, I'm not by any means perfect, but I mean, God has, has, has called me to be a pastor and put me in this position. And so he's given me a charge to, to watch over a flock and try and help people grow. And there are times when all I can do is just is just shake my head and go, why can't we extend a little grace to each other? Why can't we extend some mercy? Why can't we cut each other some slack every now and then? Why do we have to insist on our brother or sister being perfect? I mean, because we are? Of course we're not. It only goes to show how worldly we are. You know, we, we, we get in arguments thinking that we're establishing our bona fides as a, as a believer and that we're right about this. And it's only showing how worldly we are. Paul, Paul said to the Corinthians, you're still worldly for since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like, like, like mere humans? <laughs> uh, yeah, a few of you will know who I'm talking about, but that's, I think that's going to be totally fine. Um, 
I play golf on Thursday. And, uh, you know, I admit it. I know. That's all those preachers do, play golf. Well, I at least waited for a rainy day uh, to do it. But uh, play golf on Thursday. I got a call. Got a call from uh, from one of our elders who said, "You know, we uh, would you can you play uh, golf tomorrow uh, in a scramble?" So, you know, obviously somebody dropped out. I don't mind being fifth choice, sixth choice, seventh doesn't matter. Just call me and say free golf. Uh, and he said, "You know, play with uh, me and my brother and my son." And so I said, "Yeah, yeah." So you know, it rained all morning, and I drove through a torrential downpour to get there and then didn't rain a drop on us while we were playing. So it was, it was great. It was obviously God. And uh, anyway, uh, the, the guy's brother, about two or three holes in, uh, uh, started wanting to talk politics. And he was, he was asking me if I'd seen a certain, I don't know, one of those uh, propaganda movies, you, you know, about how terrible the other candidate is. I went, no, I didn't. I don't pay any attention to that stuff. Well, it, it, it got, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to, well, I tried to defuse it, but then I also, I'll have to admit, I may have, I may have lobbed a few things in there as well. But, uh, you know, it got, got a little, got a little tense for, for a few minutes. And, uh, but we finally, we finally got it resolved, you know, a couple of holes later and, and, and it, everything was fine. Our golf wasn't any better, but it was, uh, I got a call from him yesterday. I've known this guy for almost 40 years. I get a call from him yesterday. And uh, and I thought maybe he wanted to continue the conversation. Because <laughs> I, I told him, I said, I'll talk to you about this, just not on the golf course. I get a call from me. He said, you know, brother, I, I just, I need to apologize. He said, I've been, uh, the Holy Spirit just won't let this go. And I just need, I feel like I was disrespectful to you. And, and I, and I just, I feel like I want you to know that I love you and I, and I do respect you. And, and I just, I, I feel terrible. Now, let me just, all, all things aside, it, it's not a matter, I don't, who's right, who's wrong, who should be voted for, who shouldn't be voted for, you know, who was, who was the biggest ugly, you know, n- none of those things matter. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, that he was saying, you know, well, I, I respect you. It, that's, that's, that's cool. I'm glad he does. You can speak in tongues from now till next week. You can heal the sick and raise the dead. And all those things are great. But somebody who will just listen to the Holy Ghost and be obedient. Go, man, I'll do that. Boy, I respect that. Now that's maturity in the Lord. God can drop a gift on anybody. But it takes some time of walking with the Lord to, to reach a place of maturity where you do that. Blew me away. This blew me. I, I wasn't surprised. I, I mean, I know this guy well enough to go, you know, I'm really not surprised. But how wonderful that is. I plead, Eurodia, I plead with Syntyche, settle your differences. What he was basically saying is, our relationship is more important than who's elected president of the United States. And you know what? It is. It is more important. So what you must do, and this, this won't take very long here, uh, what you must do to be able to stand firm in the Lord, let's go back 
to last week, understand where your citizenship is. Understand that, that this is a temporary residence that we have here. This is a temporary citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, it's like Paul said over in, uh, we, we quoted this last week. Uh, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. What, what is unseen is eternal. My dad used to say that people would sometimes, he'd say, people accuse us of being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And uh, yeah, a few, few, few of you old timers have heard, heard that phrase. I, I didn't mean to say old timer. Uh, but, uh, but a few uh, have heard that. Uh, so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And in fact, people did say that. And I suppose that's possible. I suppose, though I would, I, I would argue that the world's a much better place for being visited by people who are that heavenly minded. I have to say that. But the real question is this. When was the last time that accusation could be hurled at any of us? When, when could that accusation be hurled at you? That your focus and your attention and your mind. See, our problem isn't that we're too heavenly minded. That's not our issue. The world is too much with us. That's our issue. And our attention and our focus. If, if we're going to stand on Christ, that's where our attention and our focus has to be. And as citizens of heaven, it says that we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies. I look at the world and there are, there are problems that I absolutely can't imagine a solution to. I have no idea how you reconcile this situation and that situation, this faction and that faction. I have no idea how to do that. But I do believe that by the power that Christ has, He can bring it all under His control. And I do believe that He's coming again. This last week, Tim LaHaye passed away. How many of you know who Tim LaHaye is? Yeah, quite a few of you. Yeah, he was a co-author of the Left Behind books, the Left Behind series. And... uh while I didn't necessarily agree with all of his theology or all of his eschatology, I, I thought those books were valuable because they, they caused more people to look up. I, I thought they had value. Uh, when, I was, when I was a child and when I was a teenager even, probably in my, my early years, um, early adult years, you know, if you said to somebody, well, I believe Jesus is coming or Jesus is coming, you were very likely to, to hear either, uh, well, I really do too, or, uh, oh, you believe that or, or something. I mean, everybody was familiar with the concept and, you know, and it was kind of like, okay, it sounds a little crazy, but maybe that's possible. That's not what the environment is anymore. I mean, seriously, if you... If you work in a secular job and you go to work and you say, hey, uh, Jesus is coming again, they just, they just think you're a lunatic. They just think you're crazy. You believe that? That stuff? And that's actually a sign of Christ's return. In the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing, following in their own desires, saying, where is this coming that he promised? But if we're going to 
stand on Christ. This is part of the deal, guys. He's coming back. That's where our hope is. That's, 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 that's where I'm positioned. That's where I'm standing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Only lean on Jesus' name. And when you do that, then you can go, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. He split the sea so I could walk right through it. So I'll stand. Arms high and heart abandoned. In all. The one who gave it all. That's how you stand firm in the Lord. Would you stand with me? Well, those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you're here, and uh, you maybe got something going on in your life, you know, and it's something that uh, might can't take care of, something that money can't take care of, something that man can't take care of, the doctor can't take care of it, the president can't, can't take care of it, the teacher can't take care of it something you can't take care of or maybe it's something that you think one of these other things can take care of but maybe maybe you learned something today if you need prayer you come we'd love to pray with you and if you're here and you don't know Christ we'd love to introduce you to Christ he's he's real he's coming again and he offers salvation to everyone who believes so if you need to come, you come. And if, if not, worship with us for a few moments. Create an atmosphere for those who do need prayer.